What's the story, guys? Welcome to another podcast. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Founders Coffee, the most tasty, delectable here in Las Vegas. Check it out. It's on Durango right across the road from Ikea. If you drop in your WHH promo code, you're going to get 10% off your order. Of course, the Ultimate Fight Week Retreat. That is a, man, it's an, it's an event we got going on next year. We're going to drop you some more information about that. Look, just look it up. Ultimate Fight Week experience is going to kick ass. And, of course, how can we forget the most sensational ultimate beard balm in the game, Baller Balm, for when your beard needs to be money. Today's podcast, well, let me tell you this. Once again, we have another legend on the show. And when I talk legend, I don't use that word lightly. Let me tell you this. This man has been around from the beginning. When you hear the word pioneer, game changer, the man that wrote the book, then this man is no, let me tell you, we're going to show you this right now. Look, look, don't even take it from me. Check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome to the podcast, the legend himself, Mr. Shamrock. What's up, my friend? Hey, thank you for having me. I love the introduction. Uh, brings back some memories. How does it feel when you see uh, a tape like that going back over your career? Do those memories just come flooding back straight away? Yeah, it makes me want to fight again. <laughs> Let's what? go! Is, is that truly what it makes you feel like, Ken? Is it When you see a video like that, does it make you think, man, I've got to get back into that ring and back into that octagon? Is, is that just because of your warrior mentality or just because you miss that, that, that feeling of being in front of a crowd? Both. Um, I mean, I think it's both, man, because I look at it and it gets the juices flowing. And, of course, mentally, uh, I feel like, you know, I still have that fight in me. I haven't gotten to, uh, so old to where I'm tired and it doesn't excite me, man. I, that's why I don't actually go to events and I don't go to the UFC and sit in, uh, in, in down and watch the fights is because it, I think what it does is it brings back um, some thoughts that uh, probably will get me in trouble uh, wanting to fight again, you know? And so I, I try to, I try to make sure that I'm still involved with it. I'm still excited about it, but help out in other ways um, in that world of MMA. But like I said, yeah, it, it does get me excited and it does kind of start bringing up the mentality of like, man, I can still fight and I can, I can still fight, but just not at that level. I mean, just looking at you right now um, here, here on the camera, Ken, I know there's a lot of young men around the world that are into MMA, boxing, fitness, wrestling, lifting weights, I'm looking at you, and you are in phenomenal shape. You look like you're about to compete in a in a bodybuilding competition. What the heck's going on with that? How young are you, Ken? And how the fuck do you stay in that kind of shape, my friend? <laughs> well, you know, I'm 56 years old. Um, I I feel good. You know, I I think when people talk about 
some of the things that um, that they want to try to do as they get older and how do you stay physically fit? How do you keep the energy? How do you not hurt? And I think there was a big turn for me when, when I was, I think it was 55, 50, 50 no, actually it was 54. I just stopped doing everything. I stopped going to the gym. Uh, I stopped uh, uh, lifting weights. I stopped sparring. I stopped everything. No physical thing. Just, just didn't do anything. And I was just like, felt like my body was so tired and mentally I was always breaking down whenever I would do something. I felt like I would pull or break something. And so I just stopped. Well, after about a year, I got depressed because I was looking in the mirror going, man, that's not who I am. Yeah. My mind has still got the fire in there, but my body, man, I'm looking like I don't want to look like that. And so I got back to the gym. I started training. I responded very well. Uh, then I started getting these comments through social media and people that see me going, dude, looks like you're getting ready for a fight, man. Looks like you go back <laughs> and ready to fight. And of course, that in my inner self started going, man, maybe I can. And so I did some pro wrestling. I said, okay, you know, let me go do some pro wrestling. Went to Battle Championship Wrestling in, in Australia. Did some stuff over there. Did some crazy moves. Um, not even practicing. I just went in and did it. And it was tremendous. I had some great matches. And then, of course, Impact Wrestling came and started talking to me about coming back. And so I jumped in that. And, and you know, man, I just had a great run. But I, it's, it's the idea that when I did the Bio Accelerator in Medellin, Colombia, and took a year off and let my body rest, which is something I've never done, it was almost like I went back 20 years. Like, yeah, like wow. a rebirth, like a rebirth, right? Yeah, it was almost yeah. like I rebooted, man, and everything. Yeah. I started over again. So it's it's like it's funny when you say that, you know, you don't like to look at the UFC and you don't like to look at your old fights because it brings back those kind of internal feelings. It's kind of like what's going on right now with these old older pioneer fighters from the game that are jumping back into the spotlight. Um, you know, you've got your good friend Mike Mike Tyson, and, and I listened to the podcast the other day. Um, you know, you've got him coming back out of retirement. Ken, is that something that maybe you could think of doing in the future, is coming back out? And, and you know, you've still got this uh, this beast that's inside you. You've still, got, you've still got some in the basement, as they say. Have you ever thought about coming back out and showcasing what you've got at 56 years as old, shredded as? Always. I mean, I'm always thinking about it every time, like just like today where I see myself in the ring and, you know, I know I'm not there, but um, man, somebody steps in front of me and, and they challenge me. They're going to get the half the word out, you know, yeah. and I'm going to fight them because I still have that, that, that warrior spirit. I still got it. It's never going to go away. At least I don't think it will. Um, so when someone says to you, do you ever think you're going to come back? It's always on my mind. It's not like yeah. I'm going to. But it's yeah. always on my mind. Like if something came along like a Hoist Gracie and Hoist Gracie decided he wanted wanted to come back and fight somebody, I would be all in his face to make sure it was me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's and that's the kind of mentality that we love about you guys. That's why the fans like myself and people around the world just love to watch what you do because it just separates the men from the boys. And when I say the men from the boys, just an average Joe like me um, doesn't comprehend that warrior mentality now one of the guys that i have coming on the show is my good friend matt he comes on and co-hosts with me he is my statistics guy i want to introduce you to matt ken not only is this guy a massive fan of yours but he knows a lot about your stuff ken matt matt ken the world everybody say good day the world's most dangerous man ken shamrock pleasure to meet you my brother how are you today 
Good, man. How you doing, brother? I'm super good. I'm super good. So speaking of uh, Hoist Gracie, your last MMA fight was in Bellator, 149 against Hoist Gracie. Is that something you would want to do? You would want to run that back if if that presented itself? We all know Hoist Gracie still trains. He still does jujitsu every day. Maybe some sort of grappling match, grappling submission match. Maybe get you guys on submission underground. How's that sound? Well, one thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't give, uh, I wouldn't step into a fight if I couldn't fight. And yeah. uh, going in for a grappling match is not fighting. I mean, that's that's what I love doing. Uh, yeah. You know, so if you're saying, hey, we'll go in there and just grapple, it'd be very yeah, hard for me not to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you want the MMA match. So we need to go full-blown MMA here. <laughs> yeah, come on. You want a real fight, Ken. You can't half-ass it, right? It's, it's going to be a real fight. That's right. That's right. Because if why, why go? I mean, it's like this, man. If you're going to go out and do something, do it all the way. Don't go and do it halfway. Yeah, definitely, 100%. 100%. You know, I heard someone mention something about having a possible veterans division in UFC. What if they did that? Would you be interested in something like that? Well, I mean, for me, it would always be um, open because, listen, like I said, I I get up every day um, and I think about what I want to do to to just be better, improve myself. I don't look at I don't look like most people, and I get up and I and I think about all the things that um, are depressing or things I got to go. And I look at the things I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna do them and and, and what the what the next obstacle or what the next challenge is um, to to overcome. And uh, that's really how I, I attack every single day. So yeah. if, if, yeah. if by chance that that was something that came in my path that yeah. made sense to me on where I'm at right now, including with all the business stuff that I've got going on, all the other opportunities I got going on, then absolutely I would jump in there because that's, I mean, everybody knows who I am. That's who I am. Yeah. Yeah, you've always been one of those people that have just come forward, said it how it is. Um, you've never hidden away from your true self. And I think a lot of um, fans in this sport, particularly combat sport, can tell when things are a gimmick, when it's bullshit, or when it's straight down the line. You've always come forward with that, um, I am who I am, and if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Um, have you always been that way, Ken? Is that, is, that, is that your motto, like just fully, truly be yourself? Well, you know, I mean, I... I grew up kind of rough in, in group homes and in the street, lived out of a car, you know, juvenile halls. Wow. So for me, the only thing there was, was reality. I mean, yeah. we didn't learn how to try to manipulate or to uh, be socially, or I don't know, whatever, correct. Um, you know, that just wasn't in my vocabulary. It wasn't in my personality. It wasn't in my character, but yeah. I also wasn't a liar and I wasn't a guy that wanted to deceive anybody. Um, so, you know, I, I, if, if I was, when I was younger, even when I stole things, uh, when I, when I, when I would go out and do something that I wasn't supposed to do, it wasn't because I wanted to screw somebody over. It was survival, right. uh, even though it was wrong, but I had a purpose for it. And yeah. so I kind of live my life the same way now is, is that I know right from wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, I stay within those rules, but there's a purpose for everything that I do. I'm not going out there just to be mean to somebody. If I do that, it's because there's a purpose behind it. Do you think um, growing up in those kind of backgrounds and environments, um, is that indicative of who you are as a man today? I mean, obviously, you know, as you said, you grew up in a rough environment, not being privileged and having to, you know, live the life on the streets. Does that, does that combine together as who you are as, as, as not only as a fighter, but as a businessman, as, as, 
as as just in general as a man. Yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah. my character. You know, I, I, I unfortunately for me, uh, you know, when I had bad times and the things that I, I did, I, I have an understanding now that, that those things were wrong, no question, and that there's a better way to do those things to survive. You don't have to go out and steal and break into cars and rob stores and do all the things that I did because now I have a, a, a mindset of being able to know what it takes and work hard to get the things that I want yeah. and I don't have to do it illegally. But yeah, it is a part of my character because I know what it is to have hard times and I know what it is to struggle and I know what it is to scratch and, and claw for things. And I don't, I don't want to ever lose that edge. I don't want to ever get so yeah. comfortable where I feel like I don't have to scratch and scroll and, and, and crawl and, and, and desire and, and work and push for things that I want. I want to keep yeah. that edge and I want to make sure that I don't get to that position to where and until I'm on my deathbed, then, then that's when I realize that I've gotten everything I wanted. Hearing these things, that really does impact people, especially people that maybe um, are fans of yours that maybe aren't doing the best in life or, or feeling some kind of insecure way. When they hear you say those kind of things, yeah, that, that does make an impact. So, so I, I do appreciate those words. Well, I appreciate that. What, yeah. what more is there to do when you get to where I'm at in my career I think it used to be, you know, 90, 10, uh, all for me, building my career, finding yeah. a position to where I belong in life. And then when you get to that mountaintop, there's another mountain to climb, but it's different. That mountain climb is now more about continuing your success, but passing on knowledge, information, and work ethic yep. to others. Yes, yes, yes. And that in return bounces back onto you. And it's called sharing the wealth and sharing the love. I mean, why, why hog everything for yourself? That's, that's commendable. I don't know if a, a lot of people know that about you, Ken, that, you know, you're about spreading the love and, sh and, sh and sharing the wealth and, and uh, using what you've learned over the years um, to help affect others in a positive way. So I, I respect that a lot. Well, I appreciate that. It's, I, I think that there's one thing I've learned through through my, my life experiences, and it's something I, I share and I want to share this time uh, with people mm -hmm. that are listening, is that, you know, be careful on who you put up there as, as your heroes or people that you look up to. It's, a, it's, it's okay to look up to somebody, but it's not okay to emulate or to admire or, or to want to be like unless you know who that person is for real. For instance, people always uh, put NFL players and basketball players and hockey and soccer and fighters. Uh, they look at them and then they 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 want to they they want to be like them, but they don't yeah. know them. And so, uh, what I say is to be very careful because we are not um, superheroes and we are not innocent people. We are no different than you out there. We make mistakes. We we we. We break the law. We do things that we're not supposed to do. We are no different than you. We just happen to be in the spotlight. But that doesn't make us a role model. Yeah, yeah that's very humble. Very, very humble. Hey, if we can go back to the beginning, Ken, I'm just curious. As a fan, UFC Tournament 1, uh, what was it like fighting on that card and making history? <laughs> well, you look <laughs> back on it, and it's fun. Right Back then, you, uh, I never... I don't think I started really starting to enjoy the things I'd done until I got into my fifties. Um, wow. Because wow. it's just like, almost wow. like you're so busy. Yeah. You're so busy 
trying to achieve your next goal and then fight, you know, once you achieve those goals, then all of a sudden you start fighting age and you start fighting injuries and you start fighting uh, this negativity that starts to roll in from the fans, you know, about being too old and, you know, and then all of a sudden your, your career and your, your, your journey has to take a different direction. And then you're struggling to try to figure out where your feet are going to land after the world of competitiveness, you know, and there's right. just so many things that come in there that just, it's just a struggle. And, and, uh, and, and it's, and it's difficult to find your way a lot of times, but if you, if you just stay focused on something that you, that you want to do and, and you keep driving towards that, I think sooner or later you'll end up where you want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before that event, a UFC tournament one, you had just fought on November 8th. I think that was about three days, three or four days right before that event. What's the story about yeah. that? What the hell? What? Seriously? Yeah. What? He had just yeah. fought right before that tournament. Oh. Yeah. UFC, uh, the beginning of UFC was was a journey. Like I just explained, you know, you keep fighting through, uh, you get to the UFC and you, you, you got your journey, but sooner or later that ends and, and everything starts to change. But, um, the, like I said, the journey is something that you, that it, it's, it's almost in a sense, uh, cloudy as you get to certain areas in there, but being a part of that first UFC and that journey was quite awesome. I mean, and you look back on it now, uh, there's all kinds of different, you know, documentaries are being done about it and the first mm -hmm. event and the experience that you had. And to me, I think the one that stands out the most to me was not even the kick, but the reaction to the kick from Gerard Godot. <laughs> when that, when, when that foot landed, I, you know, the commentators were already in over their heads. None of them had a clue about what they were talking about they really because didn't. they'd never seen anything. No, they were just like, Whoa, what do you do? Whoa, what do you do? Yeah, and right. they were just repeating stuff that they didn't know. And, so, but when that foot, when that kick landed on his face, it was the first time and it was the first fight. And it was the first time that I believe that everybody in the locker realized what this was because yeah. before that, none of us had an idea because when we went into this thing, it was supposed to be no rules. Uh, anything goes, you know, no time limit. And we get to the rules meeting and everybody's going rules meeting. What do you mean? Rules meeting. There weren't supposed to be any rules. So then they come in there and start taking away shoes. They took my shoes away. They wouldn't let guys wrap wow. their hands. And you got guys that are professional boxers that have got to protect their hands because that's what they make their money with, right? Absolutely. So here all of a sudden all these rules were put in there. And so we're like, wait a minute. Okay, so what are they going to tell us before we go out that we can't punch them when they're on the ground? You know, uh, that <laughs> yeah. it's just stand up or – because we were all confused. I mean, that's just – that's the bottom line. We were yeah, all right. confused going into this. But when that kick landed – we realized yeah. that, oh, wait a minute, this is real. I mean, this yeah. is actually going to happen. Yeah. Ruthless. Yeah, speaking of commentators not really knowing and being all over the place, when you had submitted chemo, they called it an ankle lock, but it was actually a knee bar. So just to, just to go back to, uh, to, to that. Yeah, that was, that, that, was, that was Patrick Smith. Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was Patrick, Patrick Smith. Smith. Yeah, Patrick yeah, Smith, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. 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 So how do you, did you feel you helped revolutionize wrestling into MMA? Because you were basically the first wrestler in UFC history. Yeah, there's a story behind that. And, uh, wow, uh, you know, when I made that decision, it was a decision I made for for family. because, And also for, and when I say family, I mean my Lion's Den family. I mean my kids, um, my properties. Um, you know, I had three gyms. I had a weight gym. I had a boxing and kickboxing gym. 
And then I had a grappling gym with matted areas and everywhere. So there's three separate buildings. And then I had a fighter's house, which I had seven fighters staying in there. Then I had a group home for kids where we had seven boys staying in those, those homes. And then I had my, I had my own home. And so when I had actually been told I was going to get a contract, um, with the UFC and they started struggling, I wasn't able to continue to keep doing that. I I had to find other opportunities to be able to make the money I needed to make. So therefore that was the reason why I made that change to go into wrestling. But when I made that change, it wasn't like this had been done before. It never been done. And so when I made that move, I had people in my own fighter's house that ended up leaving the house, family, even guys that were family, uh, were angry at me, thought I sold out, ended up leaving the home. Uh, some of the other fighters were disgruntled because I wasn't there training them. But I didn't go and sit down and tell them, hey, guys, I can't afford to pay the bills, so I got to go do something else. I didn't yeah. say that because it was none of their business. All they needed to do was just focus on their training, and I was able to support them to be able to put the money into the gym so that they could continue with their careers, including Frank and all the other guys there, Maurice Smith, all of them were able to continue on with their careers because I was out doing something else, even though it wasn't my first love, I was out doing something else so that I could still keep going the lion's den and the guys wouldn't lose their opportunities to uh, go out there and achieve their dreams and their goals and uh, continuing to work with the boys' homes to make sure that home stayed open so these kids didn't get put back in juvenile hall. And, of course, my home, I had to make sure that my family was taken care of. So when I made that change, I had haters within my own family area that didn't agree with the decision that I made. And so imagine that with the fans. I mean, that was like I had hundreds of thousands of fans that were completely hating on me because I made a move into pro wrestling. They thought I was a sellout. I was fake. And I took a lot of heat for that. If I had succeeded in pro wrestling, I wouldn't be sitting here today. My career would have been washed up. I'd have been rolled over and I would have been a chump. But because I did, it opened the doors for so many other people to have to be able to just walk right into pro wrestling and not have to deal with what I dealt with. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's incredible. And, and how did that go about? Did you did you seek out Vince McMahon or did Vince seek out you? Like, how did that come about where you ended up with uh, the WWF at the time? Well, it was a little bit of both because um, I, my father actually wanted to came to me and said, hey, you know, you know, you want to go back into the fighting game, but right now you just need to be able to pay your bills because the UFC's struggling and, and they're, they're not being able to, to make the money they're making because they're spending it on legal fees. So why don't you go ahead and get into pro wrestling and then you can actually do all those skills that you have and be able to go into the pro wrestling ring and just keep yourself all tuned up because you'll still be able to do those holes and be able to still be in front of a crowd and stay popular. So whenever you decide to go back that you're, you're not off the face of the map, you know, you're still out there. Right. And I was like, wow, what a great idea. So I went out and got, uh, a, um, uh, an agent, uh, Barry Bloom. And, uh, we, I, first thing I told him was that, Hey, you know, um, I went to Japan once, you know, that was, it seemed like that organization or those organizations were a little bit faster. It seemed like I could probably maybe do more over there. But as soon as Barry started going out and putting the feelers out, um, Vince jumped on the phone immediately and made contact with me uh, and said, we would like, we would like you to, to fly up for a show that we're having. And 
we'll put you in the audience and then we can sit down and talk and see about whether or not we can work something out. And so it was probably 24 hours after that call. Um, I was at a show sitting in the uh, front row. Wow. Uh, smack talk, smack talk and Farouk. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And, and, you, and you think, um, Ken, do you think like a lot of that, obviously because you'd fought in the UFC and you're a legitimate fighter. And then of course you had this sensational physique that I know that a lot of UFC fighters, they're in great shape, don't get me wrong, but they didn't have that um, that aesthetic kind of, I don't want to say bodybuilder kind of shape, but kind of sort of bodybuilder shape. Do you think that the fact that you had that total package look, that really, really helped you in with um, with, with the wrestling and Vince McMahon? Uh, a lot uh, had to do with it that I was the best in the world at the time. Absolutely, uh, you know, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, Not taking I was ranked, from you. Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. I was ranked number one in the world at the time, and uh, you know when I made that move, I mean that was a gem for for Vince to be able to pull me into pro wrestling because he was getting killed uh, in the in the wars with WCW because a lot right. of the top talent, Hulk Hogan, Nash, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall, yep, and a lot of guys over, left. Yeah. yeah, so they lost a lot of talent. So. Vince was looking to find some sort of star power. You know, I had this this incredible physique, uh, character, world's most dangerous man, all the things that would fit into a pro wrestling script. Yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. know whether or not I was able to work in a ring yet or not, but uh, just the character itself, he felt like he could at least get some attention. Well, once we got there and we started doing things, then he realized very quickly that, wait, wait a minute, this, this, this kid can learn quick. He's, he's not bad. Yeah. So it was something that was a match made in heaven. It, it worked out great. In fact, um, uh, it, it, it very quickly became uh, very one of, uh, right alongside with me fighting. Uh, it was something that I really enjoyed and, and still do it today because I enjoyed yeah. the fighting and I enjoyed the wrestling so much and that I had the opportunity to do both, man. And that's just, that was a blessing. Uh, I mean, that's like a double whammy. Do you, do you still watch the wrestling these days, Ken? I do, and, and I'm actually doing a pay-per-view bound for glory the 24th of this month uh, in Nashville. Uh, you know, I'm going against Eddie Edwards and uh, Sammy Callahan's in my corner. So uh, we're, we're going to put a beating down. Not where we, we're not we, I shouldn't say we, but uh, I'm going to put a beating down on uh, Eddie Edwards. And uh, so Shout it's fun, out to man. TNA Impact. Now, Impact TNA, baby. First yeah. champion. <laughs> Yeah, the first ever, yeah, first ever yeah. TNA World Heavyweight Champion and the first ever UFC Super Fight Champion. Yeah, and right. and the only and the only um, former UFC contender that that that's biceps actually has biceps. Yeah, Ken Shamrock's <laughs> biceps has bi like his veins and his biceps are actually bigger than most people's biceps. <laughs> and and like not that. only not only do my biceps are on top of biceps, and I was the first Impact and TNA, and also the first UFC. I was also the very first Hank Grace ooh, champion ooh. in Japan. So wow. I was definitely blessed in a lot of areas. A lot of areas. Yeah, one of uh, basically one of the only people ever to uh, be in UFC, TNA, WWF, uh, Bellator, Pancrase. Uh, you've been in a lot. The of The only thing he hasn't done is an is an is a triple X rated film. Is that is that in the cards, Ken? <laughs> I told you I'd be the first to do almost everything. So hey, look hey. out! <laughs> hey, because if the vein in your cock is anything like the vein in your biceps, you're gonna kill it, my friend. <laughs> 
<laughs> Holy Look at those. <laughs> Holy shit. We might have to blur that out. <laughs> yeah. we, ain't, we ain't censoring nothing here. Oh, man. So just off, off camera before, my, my good friend here, my, my co-host here, Ken, he's such, a good, he's such a huge fan of yours. He was looking at me and he was saying, Bro, I'm getting goosebumps from this conversation yeah, right now. You're yeah. talking about the WWF. It's talking about the WWF. Memories, like yeah. huge the, memories for ha, me. I mean, as a, as a human being that bleeds the same as us, to have that effect on other human beings, that must feel pretty good, right? To know that you can just talk about a past experience in your life and give that person goosebumps, man, what, I mean, I can only imagine what that feels like. Well, I think that's where... Um, Almost at times, I think when people get so popular, um, and when I'm talking about um, celebrities, actors, um, people of that nature, they forget the reason why they are, and and it, it has to do with fans. It has to do with people. You'd never be there. You'd never have the things that you have without the fans. And but and so many times you see these guys that are at that level. They're so fake. Yeah. Like they, they talk about all this political stuff and they, 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 they push their ideas and they push their thoughts and they try to bully people with their power. And to me, when you have the ability to be able to, to say one word to somebody who may have cancer, who may be struggling yeah. in life with a divorce or, 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 or fighting over custody for their children or, or whatever that case may be, some kid that's in school that, that doesn't have a, a whole lot of belief in himself that you have the ability to be able to send them a text or send them a video message that would completely change their lives to completely make them happy for whatever life they have left. And that yeah. our, what we spend our time on is bitching and moaning about, yeah. you know, this guy or that guy and that you're going to leave the country. And man, what are we doing with that power, with that opportunity and the ability that you have? You're, you're, you're wasting it because you could be doing so much more with it by helping people. And I believe that's what we were put on this life, on this on this land and this life that we live to do is to help yeah. other people. How long did it take you to, to realize that, Ken? Is that something that's come in your later years of experience, that, that giving back actually is, is, is the gratification and, 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 and the main thing to do? Even though uh, even when I was younger and I was a bad kid, the one thing that people always knew me for was that I would beat up the bully. Yeah. Not to say that's right because I could then turn into the bully uh, because of my anger and the way I would do it. But I really hated when someone <laughs> right? <laughs> I like how it's <laughs> because of my anger. I love right. that. I love it. Don't make him snap. Right. right. So then all of a sudden the bully now becomes the victim and the, and the, and the hero becomes the bully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it, man. But, it, yeah. but, it, but, but, but I've always had it in me where I just hated when someone wanted to take advantage of somebody. Uh, yeah. I didn't like when a guy would hit a girl. I didn't like when, when somebody would come up and get in some kid's face and he would try to walk away and a guy would get in front of him and push him. I hated that. I didn't like that. And so I think it was I, I was kind of born with something like that. Uh, but as I got older, I started to understand that I had the ability to be able to help other people because of what I've been given, because of the opportunities that I've been given by the fans, by the people who find me uh, interesting and that they want to watch and that they want to follow, that I had the ability to give it back to them. Like I had the ability to be able to help other people who have shown me so much love that, you know, that's just a passion I have that I, I feel like I have an opportunity to give a lot back. 
That's awesome. If we could just touch back uh, about the Attitude Era days, I had a, definitely a couple questions I was wondering. When you were signed, did he sign Dan Severn as well at the same time? Was he looking to pull people from the UFC like that? No. Uh, I think that I was an experiment uh, when they brought okay. me in just to see. Because Vince is always always trying to try different things, even crazy mm-hmm. things like the XFL and, and bodybuilding stuff. And so he, he's always trying to, to find stuff outside the box. And that's really what I was. I was a science experiment and, and, and it, it turned out, you know, it worked out for him. It worked because he's still doing it today, but, but there's no way he knew that this was going to work. Neither did I. Right. I mean, I, I went into this thing as a necessity thinking I could make some money and then I'd go back to what I was doing. But of course, I fell in love with it. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. So then I started doing both. But but there's no way that that uh, any of us knew how it would turn out. But you know, now we see the the success of it with guys like Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey and right. so many more that are able to make that transition. It's almost natural now for yeah. people when they come to the end of their career is to go into pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. you're definitely the pioneer for that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he definitely opened the doors to that. And when you say science experiment. It's kind of strange to hear someone describe themselves like, it's like, hey, I was in a science experiment. Yeah, I kind of came out. I looked like this earlier, but then, <laughs> but then I got back in. But the science, science experiment, I've never heard anyone refer to themselves as that. And the fact that you take that on, you wear it as a badge, man. Um, I don't know about the word science experiment. I think the word um, pioneer and door opener, you open that door for other ones uh, to be able to walk through. Yeah, no question. But, you know, if it hadn't turned out and, and I would have failed, I would have looked like that mask. <laughs> so it was it was definitely a pioneer and, and, a, and, a, and a guy that uh, opened some doors, but that's because it was successful. But if it hadn't been, I'd have been run over by a car 10 times over and looked like that mask. <laughs> so, so what about what about now? Like, um, obviously, the UFC has changed a million and one times since right. you first started. What? Who in the divisions these days that stands out that, like, kind of when you see them on TV, you're like, man, i got to watch that guy or girl. Who, who's up there for you right now? Man, there's probably 10 people in every division. It's so competitive. There's so many young stars. The one thing that I miss uh, is that everybody's kind of uniformed. Like they're pushing um, this unity, uh, this this uh, don't step outside the lines, uh, don't get in people's face, don't be disrespectful. And I believe that that's what fighting is about. It's about character. It's a, It's pro wrestling, right? I mean – yeah. Uh, Progressing, you have all these characters that people develop. Well, in fighting, you don't have to develop those characters. You just let them be them. But unfortunately, they're closing the door on that. They don't want guys to do stuff like Conor McGregor did or or, mm-hmm. or uh, John Jones. And, and I think everybody has to police themselves and, and that uh, the people that are nearest them are responsible for their actions and making sure that they, they stay within whatever the rules are. Uh, and the organization puts on fights, organizes fights, and makes sure people follows those rules that they have set in place. But I don't think they reach outside the organization. And I think that's where we're missing the the the, the different characters and the, the different people that blow up. And, uh, you know, you have all this news media surrounding it. And, 
And so to me, I think right now it, it's just too uniform. Everybody's wearing the same thing. They won't let new yeah. sponsors come in because guys can't bring in their own sponsors. And it just seems like there's so there's not as many. I mean, you, you look at back in the day where you had so many characters, people come from all kinds of different walks of life. And yet now everything is like you want to try to ball them up into a good story instead of letting their own story speak. Um, that's It's funny that you say it like that um, because I kind of tend to agree with you. You don't really need to be a character because you're already the character, but having your own individuality um, makes you stand out. Yeah, you're just turning it up to 10. You know, Ken, would you ever like to see the uh, UFC old-school tournament-style brackets come back, uh, even if it was not for a belt, even if it's for, like, a Grand Prix title? Uh, there's so many guys. I know they wanted to do that for the 165-pound division mm-hmm. recently for UFC. Uh, what, what would be your thoughts on that? Would you like to see something like that? Uh, I don't think that the veterans... Um, would have to go through that. I think I think there should be qualifiers for um, new new talent coming, guys that want to yeah. fight in UFC, and I think they should have those tournaments um, to be able to see you know which guys are going to fight on the pay per view in the opening card. Uh, a great like idea. they did with the tough, like they did with the tough uh, man, the tough show where the yeah, guys the would t- fight on pay per views. The two winners on each side would fight. Right. Um, I think they need to do that because. Um, there's too many guys coming in that people don't even know and they're all fighting. There's so many, so much going on. And, and I think tournaments is a good way to have people earn their position there and not just walk in because they're good. Um, I think you need to find out whether or not they have the character uh, to be on your show, whether they have the discipline to be on your show and whether they have the toughness to go through a tournament and right. win. Um, right. And then you're going to know you've got something special. If you get somebody that goes through a tournament and that there's no issues, no problems, and that they fight on the main event or in the in, this, in the opening of a pay-per-view in their own main event with the, the tournament, and that guy wins. I think now you you can really see a guy that's special, and you can start marketing him because you know he's gone through this 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 trial of of of, of whether or not he has that character and that toughness to be able to move up in the rankings on your on your shows. It'd be an instant breakout star as well. I mean, if a guy won a tournament nowadays like that, you know, with like an eight-man bracket, it's an instant star. It'd be all over social media. So it'd also be great for marketing as well from, from your point. Absolutely. You- and, and, and you don't get guys hurt that you're, that you're marketing that are already up there. You start it with the young talent, guys that are coming in. So that way you're not beating up your talent you already have. Right. Yeah. yeah. What do you got behind you there, Ken? I see a few belts. I see... I, I believe you, those are the Super Fight Championship belts. Well, is that, well is listen, that right? my 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 trusty co-host Matthew would know more about that. He's been doing <laughs> this whole interview with uh, his Ken Shamrock underwear on. Ken doesn't know about that right now, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to tell him about that. All right. What, what do you got behind you there, Ken? What's that beautiful memorabilia you got behind you there, brother? Yeah, that uh, the one on my. Oh, this is the wrong side. This side, yeah. Uh, which would be your left, my right. That's the yeah. Hall of Fame plaque, which uh, made out of crystal, I guess it is. And then over my my uh, left, my left shoulder. Uh, let's move this way. There we go. Uh, yeah. That's the Hall of Fame jacket. Um, wow. And then, of course, above me, uh, I've got all my action figures from the WWF, and and then, of course, uh, to the right, or it's. Uh, to the left of me, uh, I have those posters that are barely in the framework there. But um, yeah, and then American flag, which is the valor. It's got the valor crest on it up above, 
And then, of course, the UFC, um, I believe it is UFC. I think it was the Tough Man uh, 3 or 4, the one I went on. Um, I've got the yeah. hockey jersey for that one there. And then, of course, down below there, below the TV there, um, I used to go to all the military uh, bases um, in Georgia, everywhere pretty much, even over in Okinawa. And I used to train a lot of the uh, the brass uh, in uh, in Quantico and then, of course, wow. Okinawa and different places that I would go to work hand-to-hand combat with the military, the Army, uh, the not, not the Air Force, the Navy, but the Army and the Marine Corps. Uh, I worked with those closely, um, and though I got those those medals and chips from every every service, the Air Force, the Navy, the Army, uh, the Marine Corps. So it's stuff that I collect and stuff that's dear to me because yeah. um, those guys are the ones that are really sacrificing and putting it all on the line. We say it all the time with us, oh, they're putting it on the line, man. We ain't putting it on the line. Yeah. Uh, military yeah. put it on the line. Now, I think that's maybe why the UFC and the military get on so well, because in, in kind of different ways, you're both putting it on the line. Um, one obviously exceeds the other. However, the, the, the spirit and the, and the mindset is, is, is very, very similar. So fair play to you, brother. Would you ever sell any of that stuff behind you, Ken? No. I know a lot, of, a lot of people that'd be dying to buy it. I, no, no. I got a better question than that. Ken, do you, ever, do you ever take magic mushrooms and play with your action figures? <laughs> it's a great way to yeah. stimulate the mind. <laughs> because I'm not gonna lie, let me, I have. Let, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me know. I feel privileged. <laughs> let me tell you this, man. Uh, if it doesn't wear a dress and wear a bra, then the shrooms and playing with the action figures won't work. <laughs> I've used many not, other things. Not, 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 not that I'm against it, because I think everybody has free choice, but I prefer high heels and a dress. Okay. <laughs> Might need a sable action figure. We'll have her ankle lock the rock again for old-time memories. What do you um, think about that? Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, look, we're, we're going uh, gonna, to gonna bring it down here, Matt. Yeah. Any, anything specific that you want to ask this legend before we... Oh, man. We... I, I, there's so much stuff. I, see, I see, could, you know I could, thing, you know I could good, sit here all day. You know the good thing about these interviews is, Ken, is that when you have all these questions to ask the guests, but you don't ask any of them. Yeah. That's when you know <laughs> That's it happens a, a lot. Well. It goes well <laughs> yeah. good. That's when you know it's well. a good podcast. <laughs> well, I have a couple uh, things. So, obviously, you have your Hall of Fame jacket behind you uh, there, and we also know you are in the TNA Impact Hall of Fame. Uh, anything, any, any reason why you're not in the WWE Hall of Fame? Has Vince ever contacted you for that? I mean, a pioneer of the sport absolutely deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I, you know, listen, that's, that's way out of my thoughts because I don't have control over that stuff. Um, but in my mind, I believe I did enough. I believe that the wrestling has changed because I was there and if, and any of the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, criteria is uh, most of the thing is, you know, it, did you leave the place of uh, the, the, whatever sport that you were in or event? Did you leave it and it, it became better? And I believe that I, I was able to do that by bringing in holds and submissions that weren't there before and being right. able to, to, to trailblaze uh, paths for other people to be able to follow. And I think if you're looking at the Hall of Fame criteria, I think that those are, those are some uh, very high standards that are set to be able to get into the hall of fame along with being uh a very good or a great com- uh, competitor in that event and i think that 
Uh, if you look at that, I think I did all. I checked all the boxes. So absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in my yeah. opinion, you'd absolutely should be inducted. Uh, you were a pioneer. You brought a lot of things like the Lions Den match uh, into WWF. How, how did the Lions Den match start, and and why was Owen Hart one of the people that were selected to wrestle you in that match? Was there any specifications for that? Well, the, the Lions Den match came up because of the. Uh, organization and the team that I put together, uh, it was, uh, it was the best team in the world. Uh, in fact, it was the only team in the world at one time. Um, and I created the training facilities and the, and the, and training the fighters. And of course then it became a, a norm for everyone to do it. Um, right. So, <clears throat> you know, that was, that was something that was, uh, became, started to become, uh, infamous, you know? So, uh, the actual gym itself was, the training areas and all the stuff that went down in the in the tryouts went on in the lion's den, uh, which is uh, you know even the tryouts itself was was brutal and brutal. very very famous. Uh, and so Vince was trying to figure out how he could try to take that that um, oh, I guess that that thought and be able to put it in wrestling. And so he came up with this cage that wasn't quite the same as the UFC, but it had right. fences and matted areas. So it was similar, but he added angles to it. Cause I remember they were talking about how would you like it set up? And he said, and I said, well, we don't want the fences to be straight up and down. Uh, yeah. They were because, angled with the ref on top. Yeah. Because this way you could actually work off the fence rather than mm -hmm. it being straight up and down. Right. Now, if you had it at an angle, you could run up on the sides of it and do different things off that fence and then put the referee on the the, the the planks up above to where it looks more futuristic and like this movie stuff where the referees on top only to 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 scream out who killed who uh, and so there would be no no rules it's literally two guys go in there and one guy's gonna be standing alone and then that referee will say the winner is and uh, so it was it, I thought it was very creative um, on how it was put together. And then as we started to develop it even more, when I got into this thing with Steve Blackman, uh, yeah. Steve Blackman was a we weapons expert. And, mm -hmm. and so we, we figured, well, what if we put, you know, these little, these little hooks at the top that would benefit Steve in this fight <laughs> where he had to wow. get to the top and be able to, he could get to, to get to the top and be able to, um, uh, hold on a second. Let's, hey, let's uh, do like this, Ken. Listen, first of all, um, Brother, I want to say thank you very much for coming on my podcast today. We are a brand new podcast here in Las Vegas. However, we are kicking ass. It's doing so well. Having people like you on my show only makes my name more solidified in this industry. So first of all, on behalf of myself and everybody here, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It just it means so much to me as I've been a fan for as long as I can remember. I know you have a lot of fans around the world, Ken. You have a lot of people that look up to you. If we could part on a parting note with a little bit of positivity to say to the people around the world that may need a bit of inspiration from you, is there something you could say before we bounce, my brother? Yeah, it's something that I always live by every single day, and I always will to the day I, till I take my last breath. And I, I believe this, and it'll work for everyone, is, is that no matter how hard it is when you get knocked down, if you get up and you keep going, you'll win. You'll succeed. And uh, and and th there's there's no easy way around anything in life. But you have control. You have control 
because no one can hold you down because you can get up and keep going. So I always live by that. I think when people ask me for advice, I always tell them that. But there's, like I said, there is no magic potion that's going to make life easier, going to give you an easy path. It's yeah. just getting up and going. Just don't stop. I don't know why I want to say I love you right now, but I really do. Matthew, is there one, anything you want to say before you I go? I just want to say Ken Shamrock's absolute honor to talk with you today. And it's been almost a dream come true. And I've met you a couple of years ago at WrestleCon. And so it's great talking with you again. And God bless you and your family. And I'll be watching uh, Bound for Glory. Hey, listen, I appreciate you guys, man. And sorry for the interruption there, but I got to take care of no family. Problem. You guys know that. God bless you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very God much, Ken. You, God Ken. bless you, brother. Take care, my Thank brother. You. Thank you very yeah. much, everybody. That's it for the podcast. That's the podcast.